Uh, let's try an intro, shall we? See if I can remember how to do this. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Essential Apple Show, later than advertised because, well, believe it or not, the other week, my colleague and I, Simon, we did record a show. However, in the seamless nature of this podcast, somebody, namely myself, ended up recording double echo. So whenever I was recording and speaking, it would repeat me back twice. And yeah, that was about an hour and 10 minute show, which was actually quite good down the drain. So as I said, joining me this week is Simon slash Serenak, who's our chat room administrator, more on that later on, and the editor, pretty much, of the EssentialApple.com website when I get around to blogging. Simon, how are you doing? Well, I'm all right, Mark, to be honest. Um, Yes, on the fabulous Lost show, of course, we did talk about how it all went Pete Tong at Christmas, um, with half my family being ill most of the time and the other half being ill all of the time but uh yeah we recorded a rather nice show and then the sound was all messed up so never mind these things happen eh? exactly these things happen so well i suppose we better start with christmas really um i put out a really small micro show just because i, I sort of felt like i owed it to the people that were still listening and still tuning in just to say why there hadn't been a show for all those that have used the amazon link and especially for the patreon people who supported the show uh, just to recap just before christmas i was pretty much homeless split up with a girlfriend everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong and to be fair i was in a bit of a, a bad place in a bad state and in that sort of mind it's all it was always in the back of my head to come on and do another podcast and get back into the real world. But sometimes you've got to think and just take a step back and go, you know what? I need a bit of time off and everything like that. And when I put the show out, the the micro show, I was really conscious of the fact that I didn't want it to come across as being needy. I didn't want it to come across as like, well, you know, you get the people on Facebook that, you know, just attention seeking because, you know, oh, woe is me. I've lost my internet for half an hour, FML and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't like that at all. And it was nice to do something a bit normal whilst <laughs> sleeping in the back of the car and trying to find somewhere to live. Unfortunately, just as things were picking up after Christmas, uh, my cat suddenly passed away. And I know that some people out there might just think it's a cat, but for the majority of people out there, it's not just a cat. It's a it's a family member, and you know she was nine years old. We've been through thick and thin. We've moved together. You know we used to chase each other around the house, believe it or not. And when I was just about getting ready to find a new place to move into, she passed away, and it was sudden. It was late at night, but life wasn't done with me there. Oh no, no, no! So I get the phone call to go and see her because we well we don't think. Uh, she was alive at the time she was discovered. Uh, and I'm driving down there safely. And right before I get to the front door of my old house, the police pull me over. Uh, that's oh, just many, many little strange things like that. But the good news is things, I'm not going to say getting better. They've leveled off. They've stopped getting so crap. Uh, and so I thought, well, you know what? We've been talking for the last few weeks. Let's just see if we can press record and do a show, which brings us nicely on. Oh, sorry, no. And uh, sorry, where am I going with this? I forgot to say, um, and a huge, huge thank you to anyone and everyone out there who sent a me email, who sent a Twitter, posted on my Facebook and all that sort of stuff. It really, really was appreciated. I really was shocked in 
it was nice to just get a few nice little messages to say, you know, hope you do, hope you're doing okay, things will get better, and all that sort of stuff. So, for all of you people out there that did send a message, it was, I can't tell you how greatly I, I, I appreciated it. I really, really did, sincerely. There we go. Now, I think you should. Uh, it would be nice to tell everybody, of course, that you do actually now have a roof over your head, Mark. Yes, I you're do. Not keeping in the car anymore. No, uh, it's. Keeping it in the car is hard work, namely because it's so cold in B. Well, actually, no, I was lucky because I had two 12-volt adapters in my car, so it means I could always keep my iPad and my iPhone charged up. Yes, that's a very first-world uh, thing to do, but, you know, when you're in these situations, you just try and clank, clink, clink, clank. You try and hold on to what little things you've got, and Netflix was my friend, Amazon Prime was my friend, and... Yeah, and so yep. Yeah, so now I have a roof over the head. Hopefully, this room isn't too echoey, and I won't have to do what I did last week, which was podcast with a massive, great big blanket over my head. No, no, you're not echoing at all this time. Last time you did sound like you were uh, podcasting from inside a very large tin shed. Yeah, it was. Ugh. I've got no idea. We were using Zencaster, which normally is flawless, and it's a cracking, cracking product. But when I was going in and testing, there's an option to say, use noise cancellation, yes or no. And while I was tinkering around, like I should never do before recording a show, I think I left the noise cancellation off. So that was double echo. And yeah, that was the end of that show. I tried to salvage it because once before with Carl, Matt and Barry on the Mac and Forth show, I actually managed to do my uh, my segment all over again. Uh, it wasn't the most seamless bits of editing, but they uh, they did kind of ask, did you re-record? And it was, I had to, get, I had to confess that, yes, I had to do all my bits. Uh, and that just becomes really hard work. So this is the first one of the new year. It's fe- The day we're recording on is Sunday the 12th of February. So if I sound a bit croaky, it's because the rugby was on yesterday and Wales lost. Damn it. No one will mind in 100 years, Mark. No, exactly. So I suppose we better try a bit of a bit of Apple-y based stuff instead of me just ranting on um so where can we go first now bearing in mind this is sort of the first week i've been back in the real world and thankfully i've avoided most bits of apple news i'm glad to say because coming back into the fold all i'm seeing is rumors and speculation so i thought we'd go a bit different and give a bit of an update on the earpods which i got funnily enough last november the problem was that obviously things are going wrong. I only just started playing with them. Now, when we spoke about these last time, I said to you that it was a mixture of agony and ecstasy. Now, it's just plain damn right agony, unless I'm listening to a podcast. They're comfortable. I've been running with them. They haven't dropped out whatsoever. I haven't got any problems there. They've got good enough battery life to, you know, I could be in work and pop them in for a quick charge while I go for a cup of tea. Lovely jubbly. The range on them is absolutely phenomenal. Same quality. Not bad. I'm not going to say it's the best in the world. Uh, but then again, the other headphones that I've had have been they're the sort of ones where you push them right into your ear canal. So, yeah, you are going to get more bass. But all of this is rendered completely bloody useless by the fact that every time I've ever had a phone call and I've used them, it drops the call. It doesn't cut the call off. It basically drops the connection from the AirPods to the phone. And then you're in this wilderness of going, hello, hello, hello. 
And then you hear, if your speaker's loud enough, a little voice come through on the speaker to say, hello, you're still there. And this happens anywhere. I mean, there is no rhyme or reason. I thought it might have been because there are other Bluetooth devices cluttering up the the, the, uh, the airwaves. Nope, I've turned all that off. I thought it was the Apple Watch. I turned that off. It can be absolutely anywhere, anytime. So I'll be driving in a car and a car will drive past and it drops it. I can be at home in the middle of a phone call for, and I won't move. I refuse to move just in case the gods of Bluetooth decide to have their way. It just cuts off. And it's so goddamn annoying. So all I have right now is a set of headphones that I can listen to music on. And that's basically it. Well, I have to say, yeah, uh, at that sort of money, I'd be fuming. I mean, I live and die by my Motorola H350. Uh, Bluetooth earpiece, which obviously is only for um, when connected to the phone. You can only use it for phone call. Um, but that cost me about fifteen pounds um, from Amazon or eBay or somewhere, and it's rock solid. Uh, so if I paid one hundred and sixty quid for some magical earpods which failed to do um, at least half of their job, I'd be fuming yeah well this is the thing it's like when they work it's it's you know the typical apple experience of oh my god this is great it really does work but i really just am left with this with this product i can't use but of course you know how this story next bit of the story is going to go so i told you you found a link on reddit i went through and tried all the stuff i put the new firmware on and the new firmware gave me some hope like a ray of sun on a rainy day Brilliant. Then I got a phone call. It happened again. So next day, feeling all cheery, I called Apple, not using my AirPods because it didn't work. And after fifteen minutes of waiting to get through to someone, no, sorry, that's a lie. It was it was fifteen minutes to start to get talking to a guy after I filled in the form and they call you back, which is brilliant. Only to go through all the troubleshooting procedures and he says, "Oh yeah, you're going to have to take them into a shop." Ah, cue another conversation that my nearest shop is two and a half hours away. The shop, then they said, oh yeah, but you've got an Apple authorised repairer just down the road. Yeah, that's about an hour and ten away. But nonetheless, nonetheless, unperturbed, uh, I was going to the cinema anyway to see Trainspotting 2, which don't really rate that much sort of thing. It was one of those films where I'm sort of thinking, it's more of a nostalgia trip than anything else but not but not a bad film not a bad film um then i go and see uh yeah i went to the apple store in front oh you've got some airpods we haven't seen them oh god i could just sense where this was going now so i'm there talking to the guys on the shop floor and they said oh yeah you better book an appointment then mate jesus h blinking so the net result is now uh i've just literally gonna suck it up go for a two and a half hour drive to go to Cardiff to try and speak to someone to say that it's faulty. And all this is probably going to be avoided if I upgraded my phone to an iPhone 7. But then I'm looking at spending another £300 on the Apple trading program to go from the 6S to the 7. And that's going to bring the total usage, uh, the total cost to get a set of headphones to an eye-watering amount. But it's... I just want to say to them, they're broken. Please come, pick them up, and drop them off. But you can just tell when they follow this damn script that it just... Oh. 
So yeah, so right now, I'm glad I've got a headphone port. <laughs> Fair enough. I have to say, I mean, obviously, I have a seven, um, and I use. Oh, that's it. Rub it in. Rub it in. Why don't you? Uh, <laughs> I use I've got a working phone, dongle. Mr. Large. I have Dara. the little lightning dongle, or I have some incredibly cheap uh, Bluetooth stereo headphones, which cost about five pounds. Well, th- this is the worst thing is I've had to go back to my reliable, well, sort of semi-reliable, unless it's Bluetooth pairing issues, set of Sound Pete's Q12s, which are not a bad set of headphones. It's just a shame that they stick out of your ears so blinking far. But then I'm sort of getting really resentful of the fact I have to do anything with Bluetooth now because I don't want to use Bluetooth. I hate Bluetooth. Bluetooth is just a massive pile of hurt and it's, it's the other things as well it's like when i when i do go out running which i haven't done for ages because i've just trashed my last set of trainers when i'm using when i've used any sort of cheapy um set of headphones they always cut out because the range going from your ass where my phone is normally stored to out to my shoulder seems to be a bit too bit too much for it so if you turn left or right the connection drops out so yeah it's the agony are you sure it's not just you mark are you sure that you're not actually transmitting some kind of electrical wave that's just interfering with everything? I don't know. Well, this is where Carl said, you know, this is where you know, technology comes to die. Uh, does it help this morning that I had a small power cut and it was like, well, okay, then everything's off. And guess who hasn't got a UPS, folks, or a backup? That'd be me. Oh, uh, no. I mean, even my cheap Bluetooth uh, stuff will... You know, I can I can walk into the other room or, you know, go upstairs without bothering to take my phone with me without them dropping. So, you know, they ought to be able to manage from your back pocket to your ears, to well, be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's something to do where, you know, if you've got the your phone against a hard surface, not that I'm saying my bum is hard, but if it's pressed up against a surface and it's got to transmit a certain way, it's probably something to do with that. But uh, I just want my AirPods to work. I want to be able to do, you know, stupid little things like, oh, I don't know, make a blimmin' phone call without the fear of it dropping down. And But the, I will say one thing. You do... It does take a bit of a mindset to get used to them. I'm actually hoping that another generation of these might have a touch bar. So rather than how to tap them to do stop start, you could actually skip tracks or increase the volume. Because if, you, if you're on a... Well, Give you an example. I was in the car the other day, driving up to do some training. I had them in, and my iPhone was on shuffle, and it gets very tedious very quickly to say "hoi hoi" telephone, skip this track, and it's not so much the "hoi hoi" telephone, skip this track, which is annoying. It's the little delay where it sort of holds on for a second to see if you're going to say something else. Then you get the dink. Then you get the pause. And then it goes ahead and changes the track. So I'm sort of hoping we can take a step back with Siri and actually use the Siri that was on the device, which was way back when. So you actually get an instant response, you know, in some apps. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the trouble is, I I have Siri turned on, although I hardly use it. I occasionally use it to set timers. I use it to make phone calls, but to be honest, for Ages. I never turned Siri on on my phone. I just used the voice-activated calling because around here, and for a long time, it was a long, long time before we got 3G where I live. Long, long time. 
And that meant basically if you weren't in your house, Siri didn't work. So it was pointless. Um, bizarrely, when they rolled out 4G, we got 4G almost immediately. I can only assume that they just used the same towers and came along and plugged in another chip or something. But uh, for ages, we had no 3G. So Siri was basically worthless. And uh, I, do, I do miss the instantaneous uh, reaction of using you know, the onboard voice activation rather than the quote-unquote artificially intelligent Siri. Yeah, Siri seems to have got better. But actually, you've just thought, I've just, just reminded me of a story that we're, I should have put in notes, is that Three, who is a UK mobile phone provider, have enabled Wi-Fi calling. And I've used it, and it's damn blinking good. You really, really don't notice when it drops off from 3G to Wi-Fi calling. The only problem I've got is that my spare router that I've loaned from work is only uh, capable of being jig, so it does get swamped on the airwaves you know, quite quickly. But no, three in touch. Um, yeah, absolutely spot on. So well done, three. I think they're the second operator to to actually embrace that technology now. Oh. Good. Well, I'm on O2, so I'll get that in about 2020. Yeah, but you get visual voicemail, though, don't you? And you're the, I think it's only O2 customers get visual voicemail? I wouldn't know. I don't. <laughs> I never use voicemail. But uh, I think we might do. I don't know. But I loathe voicemail at the best of times. So. Yeah. I, it, if ever it says unknown caller, it's like, right, I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> no, I never answer them. So, unknown it, caller. Well, you can go away then. Yeah. If I don't know you, I don't want to talk to you. Unless it's someone from the lottery, then they should keep trying and trying and trying or send you a text message or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it has been nice to take a step back from the world of Apple News because when you come back, you it's it's this never-ending circle of clickbaitery that's just going on. The one that got me the fact this might be a segment that I've just thought of is clickbait of the week, where there was a story I'm not even going to bother linking to it that the new iPhone will cost a thousand pounds, and it's like what seriously? That's going to have to be a bit of an iPhone. And then I clicked the article, and then I read the second paragraph, and it said, there may be a version of the iPhone which will cost a £1,000. And it's like, oh, you dumbass. Why <laughs> did I click well, that link? you know, there's been, a, there's been a lot of chatter about that, and it's been all over the web. But let's face it, if you go for the top of the line, 7 plus, 256, you're already pushing, what, 970 notes? nine hundred. 70 quid, yeah, I think. more and more or less, isn't it? Give or take. So, really, to say, oh, we would do one that started at a thousand pounds, it's not unbelievable, to no. be honest. No. I mean, most people, you know, probably get the model at the bottom to the middle. So, I mean, I don't know what they're fetching these days. I think their list price is sort of seven to eight hundred pounds, aren't they? So, you know, we tend to forget that these little chunks of pocket computing that we carry around are not cheap pieces of kit, you know. Well, They're... especially what you can do with them as well. There's, I mean, what has been interesting is in the lack of any sort of solid Apple news, there's been a lot of talk now about the future of the iPad. And this is something um, that I've covered a few times before because I love the iPad, but I... I don't use it for anything other than watching Twitch. 
I really don't. And it just comes down to the, the practicalities of, yes, you have brilliant apps. You can sell things. I'll give you an example. I've been selling basically my life on eBay. If you go on eBay, have a look at The Mass Bidder. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I literally am just selling a pretty much a lifetime's world of just junk, really. <laughs> oh, just amazing. All that stuff. All that stuff. You can sell it. You can, but then when you come down to the stuff like the practicalities of like printing an invoice or getting the details out for the label or other stuff, that's where it all falls apart. Because I think, yeah, who was it? Matt Barton said, well, yeah, you can use the app, then you can go into eBay on the iPad, the actual website, request a desktop view, navigate to where you want, and do it all that. And I think you brought up this point the other week. You're right, you can do it, but the iPad is starting to feel like a very hacky machine, which can be fine, but I don't necessarily think that's the best way it should be looked at, if that makes sense. It's like, yes, you can do this, but the hoops you've got to jump through just seem yeah, to be... I, I, I'm very much of the opinion that it, if the iPad is going to pick up steam again or become what Uncle Tim and co. seem to believe it's possible of it needs it needs its own os it needs a fork of ios i mean we've got watch os we've got ios which is fine on the phone then we're using basically the same ios on the ipad it's got a few tweaks in it you can do split screen and you can do this and you can, but to really make use of that screen estate and the possibilities in the pro and all the rest i really think that the iPad needs its own OS. It doesn't have to be radically different. It's, I'm not talking about, you know, go off and do something completely different. I just think it needs more focus on the things that you can do with an iPad. And like you say, you know, it is, it needs to be moved one level closer to a laptop in its functionality. That's my view. I don't have a I don't actually have an iPad personally. My wife's got an iPad, but I don't have an iPad because I have I have my iPhone and I ha- and I have my laptop. So I don't find I need a space in, you know. It doesn't work for me. Then again, my colleague at work has an iPad mini and he uses it all the time. But then he doesn't have a he doesn't have a personal laptop. So yeah, maybe I, that's the But the one thing I will say in defense of the iPad is that for well you well you've been helping me out on a bit of a side project and a friend of a friend of mine who's an artist, his wife has an iPad Pro. And I said, Well, has he ever considered instead of like, you know, mucking around with all the paints and everything like that, using the iPad Pro? And it was like, well, yeah, but you know, what apps to use? Because as you said, you know, there's a whole buttload of apps that you go out there and some of them are any good and some of them aren't. And uh, so I gave him a copy of Pixelmator, or sorry, well, no, I was going to give them a copy of Pixelmator, which was four ninety nine. But then the very next day, it was ninety nine p. So they just went ahead and bought it. And initially, he absolutely despised writing on glass, absolutely despised it. But now, some of the stuff that he's coming up with, you'd have a very hard time to see if it was what's the expression used, natural versus. Yeah, natural media is what what they call it. Um, and, of course, there are some apps out there. I think poss- possibly the best one is probably Art Rage, which is available 
for iOS and Windows and Mac, which they simulate natural media. So when you use a paintbrush, it uses algorithms to, you know, it's not flat. In in um, It gives the impression of working like paint or ink or water. Um, and those are very popular, I think, with people who can sketch and paint. Grr. Yeah, the, those horrendously talented people. And that's why I love seeing the iPad being used. I'm sure the Microsoft devotees out there will say, you know, the Surface is just as good. But I, uh, those adverts over Christmas saying, I can't do this on my iPad. No, you're right, because guess what? It's not a laptop. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to start raging about that yet. But it is really good yeah, but they to see. Committed, they committed a fatal sin, didn't they, in advertising? Oh, that's By a mentioning shock. their competition. You yeah. Why? The Americans are obsessed with doing that, you know, bashing the competition as a way to sell your own product. But here in the UK, not only was it not allowed or still mostly not allowed, but it's considered a stupid thing to do, right? You know, Mercedes-Benz do not advertise their cars by saying, better than a BMW. No, it just seems to be a bit counterintuitive to mention those other products because, if anything, it reinforces, okay, so what is this thing? What do you mean it can't do this, that, and the other? And, yeah, it just, well, who are we to know? We're, we're not the ones making the gazillions and gazillions amounts of money. We're here recording a podcast on a Sunday, which probably is quite a worrying thing. Would you think about it? But it's all right because it's two degrees outside, it's too cold, and it's got me out of doing some training. Which, well, there you go. There's, there's a silver lining to everything. Well, again, the silver lining and the curse of Apple, because coming back to the AirPods, I've been literally glued to my Apple Watch. It's been my saviour. How I survived about Apple Pay all this time, I will never know. And my bank account is also saying, uh, yes, yes. Mm. It's too easy with Apple Pay. But if we come... It's the um, the AirPods and it's the Apple Watch now I'm struggling with because I went for a run with the Apple Watch and yeah, it was just to basically test the GPS. The GPS was absolutely spot on. I had all the Bluetooth off on my phone, so I was just using the Apple Watch. Uh, how did I do that with the AirPods? I can't remember. Anyway, I made sure that I just had the Apple Watch and the AirPods and it worked brilliantly. However, that run is now siloed. I can't get it out. I can't share it with the rest of my other apps. And there's other apps out there like Runkeeper and Strava who still haven't really, they're not using the GPS as far as I'm aware. Because every time you go in, it says, no compatible with Apple Watch 2. Yay, brilliant, fantastic. Read the small print. You also need your iPhone. Oh, dang it. Because it's still my dream that I can go for a run, well, I can go to work, charge it up at night, go to work, go for a run, have the AirPods connected to the Apple Watch and have enough juice in the battery. If I, say, go out for an hour, maybe pushing on an hour and a half, and I've still got some good battery life, that, to me, will be a success. But I'm never going to achieve that because it's all siloed away and I can't get it out into Strava. I can go and add the things in manually, um, but oh, it's not the same. It doesn't give you the cadence and anything. Oh, I've also been swimming with it as well that was interesting because i counted uh what was it 32 lengths of a 25 meter pool and the apple watch only counted 20 instead of 500 meters now unless i cocked up in my counting 
it seems to be you have to be halfway decent at swimming. So at least you've got the techniques. You don't swim halfway, breaststroke, and then go into doggy style and back and forward. So it's a very, very mixed bag at the moment with all this Apple technology. And maybe it's a limitation of Apple, their developers. Maybe it's a limitation of technology. But it's so frustrating to sort of get that glimpse of the future but not be able to quite grasp it and fully experience it. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I. There's nothing worse, is there, than either flaky tech or tech that just can't quite reach its promise. Yeah, you know, you just yes, I've got this product, and it's it's like living in the future. Welcome to the Gernsback Continuum, except the, not quite. The what now? Gernsback, oh, sorry, that's that. The Gernsback Continuum is a story. Um, Gernsback was a writer in the golden age of fiction or a, uh, possibly a magazine editor. But we're talking about that kind of 50s vision of the future. Ah, uh, yes, the one right, we'll have robots in cars those. and, you know, uh, glass globe space helmets and, yeah. Yep. That, that kind of. Uh, 50s vision of sci-fi future um and there's a story called the gernsback continuum where a guy kind of manages to see both the world as it is now and to keep catching glimpses of what he calls the gernsback continuum where this kind of 1950s sf future is like happening but just outside the edge of his peripheral vision um yeah but yeah you know, so it's about welcome to the future, and um, it's just <laughs> there's nothing worse than it's welcome to the future, except not quite, not quite yet, almost. It's almost apart from read the small print. Yep, you know, and it's and new customers only. And then, and this is the thing: all these little weaknesses and chinks in the armor now are, are really starting to affect. What I can see now in the real world is like in work now, uh, I've wanted to go with iPads because I think for where we're going to place them, they literally just would be better. But now we seem to be in this stage of it's all about Microsoft. Microsoft has got this real big thing going now where everyone's really excited about the Microsoft products like the Surface Pro 4, which is a yet another Microsoft product which is always continually being discounted. The Surface tablet thingy, uh, that seems to be getting all the attention as well. So it's very interesting now that Microsoft are really nipping at the hills with this new OS. I think it's Andromeda, I think it is. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, they've got this thing now where they, they have just generated, they're becoming instead of like the old days of being this big monolithic company, they just seem to be growing, growing, growing. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see that now. I mean, where are you in the world of Microsoft? Do you keep up with that at all? Or, um, I, I'm not an avid Microsoft follower, but I like to know what's going on. I, I do tend to follow, you know, if, if Microsoft have a, a big push, you know, a keynote or something, I will watch it. And I do try try and keep up with their stuff and they are doing some good stuff i mean um their azure cloud services is really big um as people who listen to the podcast after the uh microsoft event i was really taken with the 
uh, Surface Studio. However, uh, real world reports say that they've hobbled it by actually putting the in effect a Mac Mini in the base of it instead of a full blown desktop with the best graphics card they could find, which has kind of nobbled the uh, nobbled the the thing. Um, the Surface, I've never seen one. I understand they're very good. Uh, of course, the whole thing with the Surface compared to an iPad is that it runs x86. So the Surface is very much Microsoft's old vision of a tablet PC. It is a pretty much a full-blown PC stripped down to a touch interface. Um, yes, Microsoft do seem to be breaking out of the rut. Um, and I don't know if that was, you know, Steve Ballmer's fault or if there was something else or whether, you know, as these things come around in cycles, the old guard are moving on and some new people are coming in and saying, well, I've got some fresh new ideas. Why don't we look at this? Uh, but that's good. I think it's good. You know, I think it's really important that nothing, nothing ever progresses in a monopoly because you get, you know, you get the the Fords and the Cadillacs and whatnot of of the you know Detroit Motor City days when there's no real competition. So this year we're going to put square lights on it, not round one. Look, we put more chrome and bigger fins. Um, that's what happens then, and people get fat and lazy, and nothing progresses. So I think it's good. You know, we need people. We need Microsoft and Apple to and and Google. And any others, you know, uh, Xiaomi and uh, Huawei and all the rest. We need those people to be nipping at the heels of the big boys to keep it all moving. I think that's really important. With the AirPods, I think they they are nudging us slowly towards a vision of what they what they how they want things to be. And I do believe, and I think I've covered this before, is that you have to sort of lead people gently into the future because too much. Too much change, people don't you know, don't like it, and I I think there's something to be said for sitting back and just seeing how other people fail. And you can probably hear my speaking of fail, you can probably hear my chair failing. Just sitting back, seeing how the technology is used and how it goes. For example, you know, three D TV that's just been killed off. There's going to be no more three D TV handsets made. The the curved phone, you know, there was all this nonsense about oh, if Apple don't release a curved phone, they're doomed. And guess what? Curved phones never really went anywhere, though admittedly that could be down to patents or other such malarkey like that. But there's, you know, there's sometimes there's no, there shouldn't ever be a rush just to do something for the sake of doing something. And as painful as it is to for Apple to take their sweet time to do anything, I think they're right. But I also think now they're sort of starting. It's so it started to become a thing where. They need to maybe be a little bit more open to a point because I think we're all getting so burnt out by, you know, oh, they're going to release a new MacBook and then that MacBook isn't the one that we all thought it was going to be. Maybe not more open, but how can you explain it? Maybe more realistic expectation of what yeah, they're that's offering. A, that's a strange, strange thing, isn't it? Because Apple have always been very, you know, cards close to the chest. And we'll tell you when we've got something, you know. Uh, Microsoft, of course, famously have always done the opposite. Um, 
And both sides have their downfalls. Uh, not letting anybody know what you're doing until you release it has some advantages, but it can also lead to speculation, rumour, uh, overhyped expectations. The reverse, which has been, always been Microsoft's route, is often they start talking about this product that's going to be fabulous and either never materialises or doesn't work properly or gets canned. Um, and if you follow Microsoft at all, you do kind of get a different sort of NUI from them, which is, yeah, the next version is going to be great. Of course it is, lads. Yeah, everything you do is, all, well, I know this one wasn't perfect, but next time it'll be brilliant. Um, and that's almost, you know, that's the Windows mantra, isn't it? Yeah, we know it's not that great, but the next version will be brilliant. Yeah, oh, it, Windows coming from a business angle is, is a bit of a double-edged sword because Pro isn't really Pro anymore, as I discovered on the training course this week. It's sort of a step up from from home. Well, it's a big step up from home, but the step from Pro to Enterprise is basically gargantuan, and it's like so much stuff that's just been removed and taken out that you sort of wish as a as an IT guy it was still there it's just ridiculous it really really is but anyway this is a this is not a window show this is an apple show <laughs> uh, what else have we got here um yes we've covered all that other than that right so iTunes my god Whoa, iTunes. my oh. god sorry if there's anyone thinking that now I'm blaspheming but oh my word I had a oh. ball ache of a time with that all I wanted to do is some music that I've ripped legally. I wanted to put that onto my iPhone. It took me about half an hour, purely because normally you drag and drop your stuff into iTunes, you then select it, and you click sync. Nope, that wasn't going to work. Couldn't drag and drop it from the iTunes library onto my iPhone. Nope, that wouldn't work. It, after about 10 minutes of searching, I found out that because... I had an Apple Music account, so I was using iCloud Music in the cloud. It only had my purchase music, and it was using that to put the tunes, put the songs onto my iPhone. So I had to go in and disable, use iCloud Music uh, on my iPhone, and then finally I could do some manual syncing. But, it's, but that option was just so nestled away, unless you knew what to Google for, knew what you were hunting for, or... Am I just being a bit dense? Is this, a, is this something that people just go, oh, you know what? Yes, everybody does. Everybody knows that. Or is it just me? No, I, I don't know. I mean, I went into iTunes the other day. Um, I think I must have had to plug my phone in for some reason or other. And I don't use iTunes very much. And it opened and it was completely different from how I remembered it. And I couldn't find anything and there were great big blobs of album art attached to everything. So you can only see four things on the screen. And now it was like, oh, this is awful. This is horrible. I couldn't find the column browser that goes across the top, which is how I like to navigate my stuff. Eventually, I found that you can get the column browser back, but only if you view by songs and nothing else. Oh, and Lord. It, yeah, um, oh, you have to choose songs and then activate the column browser, um, the one that gives you, you know, genres, artists, albums. Yeah. Um, which is how I've always used iTunes. Um, so I don't know. 
I, I'd, I'd like really to find something simpler and nicer. Whether um, such a thing is available, I don't know. I mean, on uh, a lot of Linux distros, you get uh, Rhythmbox is their uh, iTunes replacement, um, and it is, shall we say, heavily inspired by earlier versions of iTunes, but actually quite nice to use. Unfortunately, that's not there's not a port of that to the Mac, which is a pity. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to go on a on a journey of discovery and see if I can find an iTunes replacement, I suppose. We have got a show we have been working on slightly where we have been looking at alternatives. And I think again, in the last show, that's probably going to get released at some point that the guys over on tech fun with Mike, uh, no, with Tim and yeah, it's Tim and Dave, yeah. Tim and Dave, they've swapped over from Skype to wire. Yes, uh, pun. <laughs> I have to claim some responsibility for that, actually, because they were moaning. Uh, they had the show they called The Terrible Show, where it all went a bit Pete Tong. And um, they were fighting with Skype because it was giving them all sorts of grief. And uh, so I did drop Tim a line and said, well, there are alternatives to Skype. Um, and I can't say that I've tried them per se, but, you know, here's a couple of them. The top one being uh, Wire. Um so they tried wire and it worked really rather well for them. And as a result of that, I got a, a mention from wire and I believe Tim got a, a letter from CEO, I think of wire saying, thank you for, uh, you know, saying how well it worked for you. And of course we are today using wire, aren't we Mark? Yeah. And one of the, what I have noticed, maybe it's because it's not as busy as Skype. I mean, Skype is changing horrendously as well. It really is dropping from this uh, server. If I'm right, it's dropping from a server-based thing to more of a peer-to-peer type thing. I can't, something happened in work. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it just seems to be a lot more stable and there's been less dropouts. And bearing in mind, every time I do a podcast, there's always a seamless moment where something goes wrong. It's not been too bad. Yeah, admittedly, it's small. And then you've got the whole hassle of saying to everyone, oh, you have to go and, you know, go and try Skype. And st- sorry, go and try Wire instead of Skype and getting them to change and all that sort of stuff. But if you are out there, it will be in the show notes. And it really, really is worth giving it a bit of a try. Uh, because so well, far... Well, you know, I, the trouble is that once upon a time for those of us of a certain age, there were a whole cluster of instant messengers. This is something we've talked about before. Um, Some of it may be in the lost show. I can't remember now. But, you know, there was AIM and there was MSN and there was Yahoo Messenger and there was this and there was that. And it was a nightmare. And then Skype came out of nowhere and steamrolled the lot. Yeah. Skype just was available on everything. It just worked. And it stormed the market. It became the de facto standard, which is great. You know, great for Skype. I'm sure they made a pot full of money when they got bought by Microsoft for some obscene amount of money. And that means a bit like Google Reader, you know, ended up owning the market until Google said, oh, can't be bothered with this. Uh, Skype has ruled the market, but there are actually now better options out there but the trouble is everybody knows skype everybody uses skype you know it's like the whatsapp um, yeah it's become the default standard 
yeah, it becomes a de facto standard and you can say to people, yeah, well, actually, I, I've got a much better service that I use. Yeah, I use Signal or whatever. It doesn't matter or wire. But nobody uses it. Nobody's heard of it. So now maybe, you know, wire can make a push here and make a name for themselves in, you know, in podcasting and then through it getting mentioned, maybe they can grow. I don't know. But I have to say today using wire has been uh, a pleasure, doesn't it? It was was easy to set up, easy to get working. The sound quality has been fantastic. Uh, I can't fault it. I really can't. No, and you can do other things. They have upgraded it now, so you can do video chats. You can transfer files. Because it used to just be, uh, and I think they got unfairly slated for this, it used to just be a um, FaceTime audio. Which hope well, and this is going to be interesting because there's rumours going around that FaceTime audio might finally um, get the group calling feature that we all wanted. Whether or not that's going to work, given Apple's track record with closed services, who knows? However, we can all live in some sort of hope. Um, but it, yep, it has just—we did it before. We're transferring files normally with something like Skype. It just seems to gobble up all of the bandwidth. And so I was for one phase, and bearing in mind I haven't got the best internet at the moment, I've got 15 down, one up, which is, oh, it's working. I haven't had to turn my iPad off. I haven't had to turn my phone off. Uh, when I've been browsing around, uh, looking for stories and taking notes in the show, it hasn't been a, a resource hog or anything like that. Um, so it is worth a trial. There, it, so it's worth a try, I should say. There is a Mac client and there is a web client as well. And I believe... There's an iOS iOS client. And again, if you look on the show notes, it will all be linked there. And it's worth giving it a try. I think you'll find that there are wire clients for practically everything. You can almost put wire on your toaster, I suspect. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the guys at Wire have, uh, I'm pretty sure it's available for Linux, iOS, Android, Windows. You know what I mean? They've, they've gone out of their way to, I, I, they're basically going to, you know, I, we can see they're trying to set themselves up as the Skype alternative, and good luck to them, really. And if you know, want, if they can yeah. take Skype's crown, good luck to them. That's all I have to say. And it's wired.com. If that's you want to go and have a look, yeah. Uh, wire. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, not wired. That will take you somewhere else. And it's got the full end-to-end encryption and all that sort of stuff as well. Oh, so it's you- got all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was. It's wire. Modern really communication, rough. full privacy for iOS, Android, macOS, Windows, Linux, and the web. It's very, very worth going to give it a go. And that, again, will be in the show notes. Uh, let's go and have a look. How long have we been rubbing on for? Let's go into... Uh, uh, 51 minutes. Oh, that's about right then. Uh, what else we got on the news here? Let's have a go and click room. Oh, well, yeah, we've done that one. We've done that one. So here's... We were talking about something off air, and I'm going to put it out there to you, the good people of the internet. I'm thinking of doing a Slack room. I don't know if anyone out there still listens to the show, if I'm honest, but I'm sort of thinking it might be an idea to sort of have a room where the people out there, they could just pop in, say hello, or if they want to drop us uh, something that they want us to talk about, maybe there's an item out there we'd like us to get us to try and review, or anything like that, we're probably going to have a Slack room. Now, the best way to find out about this is if you follow, let's have a think, if you follow the at Essential Apple on the Twitter, that's at Essential Apple, or hopefully 
if you're on a podcast client which will show the texty type stuff, have a look in there. And by the time this show comes out, I will have a link up. Now, I don't know how I don't know how it's going to work. If I'm honest, this is one of my brilliant, unthought of, thought through, sorry, non thought through ideas. But I thought, you know what? We'll give it a try. So keep an eye for that in the next week or so. Uh, what else we got here in this? I think is there what's have there been any stories out there that you've caught your that you've cast your eye on so we can round out the show with a final story? Um, I have to be honest. I don't think so. I mean, pretty much uh, the whole of uh, the internet is obsessed with trying to guess what the iPhone 8 is going to be like. And uh, I suppose the only thing that uh, did catch my eye, and it's a little while ago now, so most podcasts will have already covered it, but that is, of course, the uh, Energuse Wireless Power Broadcasting with their What app. Ah, yes. Now, you know more about this than me. So do you want to take the lead on this one? Okay, yeah. Well, um, obviously, this was from uh, CES, so some time ago now. But uh, a company called Energuice, I think it's probably meant to be pronounced like Energuice, they have created the sci-fi staple of broadcasting power. Uh, Now, they've demonstrated this with, uh, they've got three levels, apparently. Uh, one of which has a broadcast distance of about five inches, which is more proof of concept than any use to anybody, I should think. Um, but they have another level, which has a broadcast range of about three foot or so. And I think the idea is that these things are not particularly small. Okay, the they're suggesting one which would could broadcast the power around about two to three foot would probably be as big as a computer soundbar. So you're talking about maybe building it into the bottom of your computer monitor, and that would broadcast enough power to help top up your wireless mouse, your wireless keyboard, your watch while you were working, you know, your phone if you laid it on the desk. Um, and then above that, they're talking about a level which could broadcast maybe 15 foot, um, which would need uh, a, a transmitter about the size of a TV sound bar. <laughs> so they're talking there about not selling this as a, as a separate product, but that it would be built into other things. So, you know, you'd buy a new flat screen TV and it would have with Energuice broadcast power yeah within it and then so while you sat and watched the tv in the evening your phone and your watch and whatever would be receiving uh, a charge a trickle charge um me you know bring it on bring it on i hate cables i detest them with a passion okay so bring it on Bring on the Gernsback Continuum broadcast power. <laughs> Bring it on, right? Oh, there's something you can scary, charge my though. laptop. You can charge my laptop and my phone and my watch and my earpiece while I sit and watch the telly. Yeah, I'll probably get microwaved to death, but, you know, no cables. It's all great. And, yeah, I see when people say wireless charging, I see the point, but it scares me a little bit to know that there's electricity going to be flying through the air. And granted, that's probably a very... Um, uh, what's the word? Not 
unsubstantiated bit of paranoia. But I don't know. It just worries me that, yeah, this stuff will be flying around. I do quite like the idea of the charging mats that I think uh, Samsung phones have, where it's sort of semi-wireless, but you have to carry it around with you then. With the, yeah, with the charging me, mats... The it, trouble with that, Mark, as far as I'm concerned, is you've got this mat, it's bigger than the cable, and it's no, it's no, you know, I don't see that it's any more convenient than sticking the lightning plug in or your mini, you know, a USB-C, and it's just something you've got to take. I mean, if you... You can probably be almost anywhere in the world, and if you're stuck, you can say, has anybody got a charge cable? And you've got a good chance that somebody can lend you either a lightning cable or, you know, a micro USB or probably in the near future, USB-C. Yes, I don't think the the, the youth of today will ever have to experience that time when you have a Nokia phone, your friend could have a Nokia phone, but would you be able to use each other's chargers? No. It was you were basically praying and putting praying that if you ran out of charge, somebody somewhere would have the right cable for you. And people think cables are expensive. No, like you know, Apple get a lot of flag for their price of their cables. Think way back about ten years ago when that is going back some. You know, they were a lot, lot more than that. They were horrendously, horrendously expensive. And all they would do then is pass power. I remember some cables, if you bought a Nokia charging cable, only had two pins. If you wanted to get the Nokia charge and sync cable, well, guess what? That was going to cost you a hell of a lot more. But now I realise I'm just sounding like an old man. <laughs> get off my lawn. Yeah, I, can't use, I can't use iTunes. My, my AirPods aren't working. I don't like this. I don't like that. Uh, but I'm hoping, though, next month is when I'm going to start. If it all, if life sort of... Turns out to not be so crap. I'm going to treat myself and go down the Apple HomeKit route. I just want to buy a plug. So if you've got any suggestions out there, or if you've been using Apple HomeKit, I know Carl has, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up with him very soon to get an update on the tech and the stuff that he's got. If you've got any, if you want to give any feedback to the show, you can do via at Essential Apple or head along to EssentialApple.com and you can use the contact form there. Well, you know what. I think that's not bad for the first show back. Let's just hope that the audio doesn't crap out on me like it did last week. But this time, dear, dear listeners, we've got a plan. Simon's doing two recordings. I'm doing two recordings. If I can't get it all working by that and actually get a show out, I I give up. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I think if we can't get a show out of uh, four recordings, then we might as well just give up. Yeah. Okay. So, um, right. Mark, uh, about the Slack room. Yes. I would quite like to suggest that you give me um, an essential Mac, uh, uh, essential Apple uh, email address, and then anybody who's interested in joining our Slack room can will be able to email me on that, and I will let them in. Yeah, we will get that sort. I'll get that sorted out after recording the show. So that will probably go. It'll take me a little bit of time to work out what all my logins are. Because, well, actually, no, it should be too bad. One password has saved my life many, many times these last few weeks as well. It's great to sort of have an app there where you know it's reliable and it's it works. 
Uh, so if you are out there, and it's not just about storing passwords, you can do other things like store your logins for your accounts or you know, your online banking. Maybe you've got a reference for a bill or a letter that you want to keep. You you can sort of have contacts in there. You can have logins, membership numbers, registrations. Like so, for example, me with my cycling. Um, I've had to go in, renew a membership, and I had the choice of either searching through a million and one emails through my Gmail account, or thankfully, I'd taken it out, put it into one password, and boom, there it was. But that's for another show. So we'll get that sorted out for you. I think then, if they want to get hold of you for now, Simon, how can people reach out and get in contact with you? Uh, right. I think the easiest way for people to get hold of me, of course, is via Twitter, where I'm at Serenac, and that's uh, capital S. E-R-E-N-A-K. And the capital does matter, I believe. I was not aware of that. If you want to get hold of me, you can get hold of myself personally at Ocean Speed on the Twitter. And again, just to round out with, again, another huge, huge thank you for anyone and everyone who sent me kind messages over a very difficult period. Really, really was appreciated. Thank you. If you want to follow the website and get updated when there's a new post, the podcast is ready to go or any articles that I'm working on, follow at Essential Apple. And of course, there is EssentialApple.com. And I think that's it so next week we'll be back at some point it's a bit of a strange week for me next week is my first week back to work fully but we will try and get a show done if not we'll definitely push one out at the weekend thank you very much for having us a part of your podcast subscription and letting this nonsense take up those precious bits on your device so until next time cheerio everyone bye